Hey, John, welcome back to another working session, man. Really excited to get back on the horn here with you and hear an update on Editor Ninja. I know you just came back from some time off, I believe, had a nice vacation in the sun, toes in the sand, lots of thinking time, I hope, and time away from screens maybe, but I'll let you tell me that. How are things going on your end? Yeah, man. Good to good to see you again. I love these working sessions. I've actually been adopting them at my companies as well, where I hop on a call and we're talking about doing something and instead of bringing a monkey on someone's back and like having to do it afterwards. I'm like, let's just share screens and get it done. So like yesterday, me and my lead editor at, at Editor Ninja outlined four different checklists that we need to have for like editing and QAing and submitting and like that sort of stuff. So Love doing these. I did just get back from vacation. I was in Baja, so flew to Cabo and then visited my wife's aunt and uncle. They have a compound, basically a beautiful house right on the beach on the eastern side. Went there for two days and then drove over to the Todos Santos area on the west coast. Big like surfing area, stayed about 10, 12 minutes south of Todos Santos, a little area called Pescadero. Beautiful house with a pool, two blocks from the beach. My kiddo had a fantastic time. I got a bit of a tan, which was nice. I got some good time on the beach. A lot of time away from screens. My phone reported to me that my screen time was down like 67% week on week or something like that. So I'm like, all right, mission accomplished. I did like nothing on Credo, very little on Credo, just like any questions that need to be answered like day of on Slack. Didn't check email at all. And with Editor Ninja, just kind of QA docs and got them sent back and got them assigned to that kind of thing. But I love taking vacations because it makes me realize where I've not delegated. And if I still have to log in and do something, that means I haven't delegated it effectively yet. And so I should in the future if I want to build businesses that let me have the freedom that I want eventually. I like ha- just right. have the like lifestyle that I want. So that, that's really cool. And it's really, I think the, the notable point for that for me is that you were able to step away from Editor Ninja this early in its lifespan and have things continue to operate pretty well. Like it sounded like you had some inputs there, but if I tried to go on vacation from Castaway right now, I'd be checking my email and doing a lot of stuff and and even some of the delivery work still. So a few steps ahead of me there, but I think that's a really strong sign of the structure that you've built under the business already to be this early on and be that kind of hands-free for a week and not have any major malfunctions. That's a testament to the work you put in. So awesome, man. Thank you. And there were things that didn't get no sales calls. I didn't have any booked, but like also didn't have any availability for people to book. No blog post got out because I'm writing content, <laughs> but like the, I also knew that would happen and it's okay at this point. But yeah, it's a good stress test. I recommend that you like, you should book like a go away for a week in like September. So six months from now and have a, and actually be able to unplug, like maybe check it yeah. on email and that kind of thing, but not actually be doing any real work. So anyways, I think it's yeah. a good test. Yeah, for sure. Well, glad you're able to uh, enjoy some some time away and no fires uh, took place while you were gone. I know that we were going back and forth on what to use as our icebreaker for this week. And we landed on this cart hook acquisition, which is big news in the bootstrap to entrepreneurship space. Jordan Gall having a big exit there. And they talked about it on Bootstrap Web, which I know we're both avid listeners of timely because Brian Castle, the other host over there, has had a few acquisitions this year of his own. So those guys are just killing it across the board. But yeah, what was your takeaway of the card hook situation? I know you heard it first, brought it to me. I listened to it right before the show just to have some foundation. But I think you've had more time to stew on this a little bit. So do you have any initial reactions to it? Yeah, I mean, it's I've known Jordan and Brian for a number of years now, hung out with them at MicroConf and Cabo and those sorts of places and really like those guys, like both of them personally and professionally respect what they're doing. When I saw it, when it popped up on my my podcatcher this morning on my phone, I was like, Oh, interesting. Good for Jordan. Not surprising because I, his energy is on rally. 
and his his new company. And I, I was curious about about it, what he was doing with Card Hook and kind of what was still going on at Card Hook. And he goes into a little bit more depth about what they were still doing and how he purposefully didn't leave resolution. And then people were reaching out and we decided to sell. He reached out to people, which is just like interesting to hear from his perspective, how that process went. Because I think Brian has had very similar things. And so like for us, at least for me, building businesses to sell eventually, just good to hear those stories, how that process went. Like Jordan didn't use a broker. But I think the more interesting thing that I wanted to talk about was, as it relates to what we're doing here, is we're both trying to build six-figure side hustles, right? Jordan talked openly. He didn't talk about like the purchase price. He said who purchased it, but he didn't talk about the price. He said it was a good outcome, not an amazing outcome. And he actually talked about how a couple of years ago, they were at like 6 million ARR with like just a friends and family round, I think. Mostly bootstrapped though. And current like SaaS multiples, like, 6x like he could have done like 30 million plus like acquisition there and then shopify came in they did some things and long story short and if you've listened to the saga jordan basically started rally i think because like card hook was just being hit left right and center by shopify and so i i guess it was interesting to hear jordan's just like listening in between the lines of his it was a good outcome but it wasn't an amazing outcome and so the question to me comes in, what happens if like you don't hit the outcome that you want? How do you manage your own psychology as a founder? It sounds like Jordan's done that work and he's come to total peace with it. But I think about that, like with Credo and such, like someday if I go to sell it, if I'm not getting the valuations I want, if I can't sell it for what I want, like, how am I going to deal with that? And at what point do you say, you know what, I have something else that I want to work on. And so I'm willing to accept good, right? Like good enough. And maybe say I wanted to sell Credo for $2 million and I can only get a million for it. Is that good enough? I don't know now, maybe not, but like later on, yeah, probably it's good enough just to like take it off my hand. So I don't know. I'm curious about your thoughts about, about that. Like how would you feel if Castaway didn't get there or what were your thoughts on the acquisition itself, given that you listen to their show as well? Yeah. A handful of things come to mind. I think it's a good thought exercise either way, because I don't, I have no idea what Jordan's goals were for card hook, but I'm guessing this probably wasn't it. Like if he wrote it down on paper a few years ago, it probably didn't look like this. So there's gotta be some level of dissatisfaction or disappointment, or at least uh, something that you have to readjust your perspective around because this was not the original vision. I feel reasonably confident saying that. So then I think there's this stoic practice of putting yourself mentally in some really devastating situations or challenging situations so that if they come to fruition, you've already lived through that experience. You've played that out in your mind and you kind of know what your emotional reaction might be, what your game plan might be, that kind of thing. I think this falls into the same spectrum where it's okay, let's role play a scenario where uh, Castaway just doesn't make it and something crazy happens and podcasting falls out of favor for whatever reason and, and the market just drops out or there's some new channel that's more productive, more hot and and Castaway just doesn't have the value proposition it used to and you just don't get there. What, what happens? And me personally, where I'm at with Castaway is I view it, it's almost like a video game because I have this full-time gig that, that treats me very well and I'm very happy with and Castaway is like a safety net in a lot of ways. Or if something happened and I got laid off again, I could just let go of one vine, grab another one and pick up instead of starting from zero. So in some ways, it's like icing on the cake. It's like if I hit my goals, great. If I don't, like I'm not going to be devastated because it's this small kind of corner of my life overall. But at the same time, like I want to get there, right? And I want to hit this intermediate goal with the ultimate goal of achieving something bigger. So I don't know, that comes to mind. The other thing that comes to mind is this Warren Buffett, a popular phrase is that exit plan is death, right? And that's like the Berkshire Hathaway philosophy is we buy businesses that we think have good fundamentals and have potential. And we just run them for the rest of time profitably. And we just keep reinvesting those funds somewhere else or, or we put them in our pocket or whatever we do. But the exit strategy is death. I don't plan to ever flip this or anything. And I'm not saying that's the plan for Castaway, but 
that's the mentality I have with it right now is this is a financial safety net. This pays for my kid's college. This buys us a lake house someday. Like I don't have an exit strategy right now. I don't plan to sell it. I don't plan to flip it. It'd be nice to have that optionality. So I want to run it profitably. So that if the day comes where I have this big goal that I'd like to achieve and selling it at a 5x annual revenue multiple with EBITDA or whatever makes a lot of sense. And that'd be a big chunk of change. If somebody writes me a check for that, I want to have the option to do that. But that's not really the primary goal for me right now. The primary goal, like I said, like a video game, like test your skills, learn new skills, work with cool people along the way, get good results, have fulfillment outside of work and fill any creative space that I have with something that adds value to the world and isn't just I don't know, not that woodworking doesn't add value, but it's a different kind of thing, right? It's creating value in the economy. It's creating jobs. It's helping other businesses grow, that kind of thing. That kind of experiential stuff is the goal for me. So I think there's a pretty low risk of not hitting that somewhere along the way. Yeah. No, I think that's a good, it's a good perspective as well, especially like early days. I remember early days of Credo. It was just like, my wife and I were talking about this recently. I was all over the place, man. <laughs> Mentally, like emotionally, all of that. I like took it super emotionally simply because I just didn't want to go back and get a job. And now like, I don't have to go back and get a job. So yeah, I'm in a very different like mental place with Editor Ninja. And I've started a couple other things over the years as well. Shut some down, that kind of thing. And I'm working on Editor Ninja because it has energy behind it because I see the opportunity because people are like, let's do a potential partnership call. Oh, we were talking about this the other day. Let me introduce my like head of production at my agency, like that kind of thing. Like it's, it's pulling me as we talked about in the early things, but I'm also in a, I'm like, I'm not paying myself from it. Like I don't need, I don't need this cash to me. It's, it's a fun challenge of building this thing. I also believe it's like providing value to the world It's putting better content out there. I care about good content on the internet, et cetera. I care about businesses presenting themselves well and converting as many users as they can because they have good copy and clean copy and all that, but also ascribe to a lot of the stoic philosophies and memento mori that one day we're all going to die. And, and I, I also just accept that because I've, I've been through it and you've been through it as well. And so maybe this is why this is what our perspectives are is like, I got laid off and I've been great since then. You got, you've been laid off twice and you've been great since then. So if the bottom falls out, is it really falling out? And also to quote Tim Grover, the performance coach to MJ and Kobe and, and all these guys, he talks about like a lot of people, everyone goes through hell at some point. Winners are the ones that climb back out because it's really hard to climb back out. So, but a lot of people stay, stay there in hell and oh, woe is me, that kind of thing. And I know that if the bottom falls out, A, if the bottom falls out of Editor Ninja, which I, I don't think it's going to, if it does, whatever, I've got credo. If the bottom falls out of both, which it's not going to, then I don't know, I pick up some SEO consulting. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> um, but I'll figure it out, right? And like, I've clawed my way back out before. I'll do it again. So it's just, it just is what it is. And taking that very like stoic, like approach to it has, has helped me out a lot mentally. And, and that's actually what I saw in Jordan where he's, yeah, it was a good out. I'm sure he did fine for himself. It, I'm sure he returned, you know, the money to his, uh, to his friends and family that he got that initial funding from. Great. Good for him. But I also know like he's an entrepreneur. I also know it lights an, uh, a fire under his ass for rally. Right. And like you could tell he's, he wants to take this thing big. He sees the opportunity, et cetera. And interestingly, one of their like most well talked about competitors announced a couple days ago that they were folding, that they're shutting down. So I know Jordan has that fire. So it'll be interesting to see how like card hook, even though it was a good outcome, and there are some other challenges there as well, like shutting down one product and laying off some of the team and selling one of the products that they have that's still being managed and worked on, et cetera. It'll be interesting to see how this like affects his mindset and his like drive with rally because he's already driven. And maybe he'll be like, look, I didn't hit that like 30 plus million dollar outcome that I was hoping for with with card hook that it could have had if I sold it two years ago. I'm not going to let that happen with rally. I don't know. I'll be interested if it fires him up more as well. Not that he needs it. 
Right. And I can also see how the bigger and more impactful a business gets, the harder it is to divest the business from your personal value, right? Your personal identity. Am I a good person if my company is not doing well? And I think that's totally different when you're running a five or six figure productized services just getting off the ground versus something processing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and bringing home a portion of that, I can see how it gets harder to say, James is not a failure just because company X didn't have a great outcome when the company is much bigger, has a bigger team, has more customers. Like I can see how your identity would be tied more closely to the ups and downs of that company then. I've never been there personally. But I would say if Castaway went away, like the next day I would start another productized service probably. Like this business model I don't think is going to go away from me. I just find a new problem that needed to be solved stand up the same structure and start over again. I think that in that regard, the goal never really changes. It's just let's just keep, you know, running this exercise over and over to a different customer base with a different service model, whatever. Cool, man. Well, I, I realizing that maybe not a whole lot of things happened while you're on vacation, but coming back in, what are the Edit Ninja updates over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I actually do have a, a fair few because we didn't record right before I left. I think we recorded the next, the week before. So a few uh, cool things that have happened. I hired a developer, a WordPress developer to work on like individual projects to build out some features. I'm very much trying to build Editor Ninja differently from Credo because with Credo, I would have just been like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And it's going to take this like trained professional developer three to four hours to do it. It would probably take me 10 hours. I could do it. I could get it right. I can hack enough code to do it, but it's not worth my time. So he's like, yeah, it's $360. I'm like, done. <laughs> Let's do it. I like since checked it with a couple of other like guys that I work with and they were like, yep, sounds about right. I'm like, great, done. Let's just do it. I've got the cash. So I, I can just move. I can move faster. So that's exciting. Like furthering the, taking the lessons I've learned from Credo and like having some funding, just like personal, like cash in the bank, let's say no funding other than personal, but uh, having the cash in the bank to pay people to do things like this is just enabling us to move a lot faster. So that's, that's cool. Found them on Codable. So a marketplace for a managed marketplace for WordPress developers who I've used before. I know some people there. And then also this week, what I'm currently working on the ops side is uh, I'm calling this reporting week. So I'm trying to get a handle on all of our analytics. Like what's our editor capacity? How many words have we edited each of the last few months? How is that growing? And I also recruited a new editor um, who's going to be starting uh, about a week from now. So we're continuing to scale up editor capacity as we need it with new customers coming on. So I'm also able to tell existing customers, hey, we've got capacity. If you want to get more content, you got more content to edit, don't not upload it because you're concerned that we don't have capacity. That is the big problem we're solving for you is editing capacity. So like you upload it and I've got the capacity and I can get the capacity. So like no worries there. So it's just a lot of figuring out how I build out these tables and how I grab data from different places and that kind of thing. Some of it's in spreadsheets. Some of it's going to be in the system for now. Like it's just all over the place. But I also know the numbers. And a win is I actually looked yesterday in March. We edited is like 68. I thought it was like 62,000 words. It was 68,000 words. And we're seven days into the month and of April. And we're already to half of that. So it's scaling. The volume is scaling and our pricing is set up now to scale with the amount of volume that we put through. So it's all exciting. Feels like a, like an unlock there. So this week focusing a lot on ops on the sales and marketing side, continuing to, to invest in content, execute on our content strategy. None got out last week while I was on vacation and none has gotten out this week because I'm getting back from vacation, but I'll be getting back to, to writing. But I've also seen some good bumps in organic traffic even while I was gone, just because we've gotten some new links and have some good pages up there that are ranking including some of our bigger like transactional terms and got in actually this is interesting james i got 
I looked at, I got a couple demos scheduled uh, coming up and I asked people where they heard about us and they said trends. I'm like, what's trends? And so I have 500 plus direct visitors on a day last week. So I think we got mentioned in some big like newsletter or something or highlighted on some, on some SaaS or something, which has driven in some demos and such. So that's, that's cool. It's cool to hear people noticing it and like not doing the outreach. Like maybe the flywheel was going to turn a little easier than like it had, than it ever has with Credo. So I'll look into that for you, man. I have a trends subscription. I know trends. So that's uh, oh, cool. Sam Parr. He started the hustle and then he sold the hustle yeah. to HubSpot. Trends is the sister product to the hustle. So that's like a private community for business builders. And it's really big. And we've done some events there for the good and gotten some really cool. good traction, like potential prospects cool. and customers from there doing workshops and guest posts. So I'm guessing you either got featured in their weekly yeah. newsletter or somebody posted on the forum and said, Hey, I just signed up for Editor Ninja. It's been great. So I can, I got a membership. So maybe I'll do some digging and see if I can track that down awesome. for you and let you know awesome. exactly what the context was there. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. It, it definitely came, it came across as direct traffic. So it, I figured it was like an email that didn't have like tracking or posted somewhere private that doesn't have tracking, something like that. So, but yeah, so that's, that's been cool. Juice the numbers a little bit for last week when I was on vacation, I did land a new customer a couple of weeks ago, so an agency customer. So they're scaling up content on the new pricing, which is exciting. So our new like sales and like our new positioning and messaging seems to be working. An update there is this week, I did also focus down to, I focused our messaging down. I launched a, a new like hero video on the homepage yesterday. So we'll see how that does. I did it for Credo as well in our How Credo Works page to try to do more like video content like that. Just, I think it's an opportunity in our space, but also I focused our messaging down to, it's like unlimited professional copy editing and proofreading for agencies and content teams. Cause I'm finding those are our two like ideal customers, not like individual bloggers and that kind of thing. They don't really see the value of it. They're going to pay some editor $12 an hour, that kind of thing. Um, like they're not producing enough, but you know, maybe a big blog, like a smart passive income or someone like that, that's producing a lot of content editor ninja would make sense for, but like the little guys, it doesn't really make sense. So volume of content is what we're, is what we're looking for. So content teams producing a lot of content in agencies. So I focused that down. And we'll see how it does. As Casey Henry at Spark Tour, formerly from Moz says, ship it. And if it doesn't work, we change it. <laughs> yeah, so that's like exactly. very much my perspective. So I've done the research and I've done the calls and I know what people are asking about. I know what they're looking for. I've got that at least like initial pricing set for those different like types of customers. So we'll focus down and see how it goes. Maybe I'll have another update in a couple of weeks on that. Yeah. Yeah, I've gone back and forth with that for Castaway. Do I just go to branded podcasts at businesses and just not even entertain the whole prosumer or the, the problem is you do have some independent personalities like Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income who definitely could afford to hire a castaway and could get value from it for his shows. But for the most part, it's let me go to SEM Rush or Hrefs or ConvertKit or somebody like who's big and established and has deeper pockets and more of a need and just say, you don't need an internal team member to do this for you. Like you've got marketing folks that should be focusing on higher order things. Let us do all the podcast repurposing. So I don't know. I thought about that same kind of angle. Do I just cut out the SMB market and just go pure enterprise? Because they're more likely to get on a subscription. They're more likely to have a bigger budget. They're more likely to be less discerning of getting in the weeds about the minutiae as long as we align with their style guide. So it sounds like you're in the same boat. Yeah. And you could even go to the like people that are producing that are like running podcasts for people that like they're like, you could almost feel that capacity if they're struggling to find like the problem, maybe the problem you're solving with Castaway is similar to the problem I'm solving with Editor Ninja, which is capacity. Right. So for like for podcasts, it's like maybe they're struggling as well. And like, I mean, you and I talk about this problem all the time privately about finding good people, finding good video editors, finding good like copywriters, like that kind of thing. 
If you can solve that and you can have that like bank of people, then it saves podcast producers the challenge of finding those people or the person running the podcast, the challenge of building out their own team. You've got the team. They just hire the team through Castaway and it all gets done, right? But you have to be at a certain scale and a certain maturity of the thing, of the podcast, of the business, et cetera, to be thinking in that way. Because otherwise they're just cobbling it together and then eventually they realize, oh, there's a total pain in the butt. How do I make this easier? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, I got a question for you. You were talking about writing articles and I was just curious. I know your background with SEO and everything. So it doesn't, it makes sense to me that you would write the articles. I'm just wondering when you outsource stuff like dev, I would have expected you to also outsource content production in that way, just because I I find that writers, good writers are hard to find, but the pool of writers in the world is fairly large. So finding it is just a matter of time. I'm just curious, like you delegate and outsource and contract so much of the work. Is there a reason that you're holding on to that writing uh, right now, that writing piece? There is. And and this is just the way that I build teams. I've I've built teams for a long time in-house and also with Credo is I look at what are all the things that need to be done, like development, design, ops, all that stuff. What are the things that like, and and then the things that don't have to be done or don't have to be done now, we just don't do. The things that do have to be done now, but I'm not the best person for, I delegate. The things that are within my wheelhouse, sales, marketing, et cetera, I own those until it becomes painful for me to still be owning it. And then I hire people. So I am going to outs. I am going to, I hate the word outsource, honestly. <laughs> I am going right. to delegate writing. I, I, a couple of my editor, one of my editors especially already asked me about this. She's like, hey, I'd love to write some stuff. And I'm like, sweet. You could write this guide to, you know, how to create a content style guide, <laughs> like that kind of thing. So I can pay her for it. So some of these things that like, I'm also not the best fit for on the topic, like I can easily go and write the sign hyphen up versus sign space up, like sorts of content that are going to drive like a volume. But if it's like a more in-depth thing where we're teaching someone how to do a thing that we also do for them, I'm not the subject matter expert on a lot of this stuff. And so, and I've been doing this on Credo as well, like anything around PPC or Facebook ads or anything like that, I'm hiring experts um, to write it because like I can do SEO content, that sort of stuff, but I'm not an expert in the other areas. And it's not delegating and not hiring those experts does my companies a disservice. So I'm trying to get better at that. So long story short, I hold on to the things that I'm good at for as long as I can, and then I hire those people. So that's why I'm still doing it, but I'll delegate it way faster with Editor Ninja than I did with Credo because I wrote the first 300 some blog posts on Credo. And only like in the last couple of years have I actually started getting like good people. I tested some writers over time, but didn't stick with any of them because I just didn't have a good process for like ideation, writing, editing, et cetera. And now I have that and I have the funds to like pay other people to do all those things as well. So. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Cause I'm kind of the same way. Like I could write a hundred articles on podcasting and I have the subject matter expertise to write them all. But I know that if I try to protect that baby, they probably won't happen for a long time. So I'm kind of like, if I want this to happen, this is important to me, I have to delegate at least the drafting part. And I can still be the editorial filter that it passes through before it hits the page. But yeah, so I was curious that you seem to have the same kind of skill set and background. So thanks for thanks for addressing that. Do you have anything else on the editor ninja side of things? Not this week. I don't think I mean, just what I'm focused on is scaling up traffic, scaling up sales demos and scaling up customers coming on board. And as we do that, scaling up editors um, are growing, I guess the numbers are still pretty small. I'd love to get my goal. I set goals for this month for editor ninja. I do it for all my companies every month. And my goal this month, last month, it was eight demos scheduled and I did six or no, sorry, it was six and I did six. And this month it's eight. 
and I've got two scheduled. So I'm trying to set reasonable goals for this. So that's my goal, man. I'm I'm laser focused on doing as many of those, getting as many of those demos scheduled as possible, getting as many of those calls scheduled as possible and learning as much as I can and trying to sign on a couple new customers a month. It's been very rewarding to watch. I'm like, he's going to graduate from this podcast. I'm going to have to trade him to somebody else. And then I'm going to have to pick <laughs> up somebody from the farm league because right. it, it just seems like you're on a good trajectory there. So kudos to you, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we officially hit 50K, 50K ARR in March. We hit that. So 4.2, it was like 4.23 in MRR, plus some like other one-off revenue from one-off docs. So it's uh, it's growing, man. It's going to work, I think. It's, it's probably worth talking about at some point, long-term goals, because I know in one of the first episodes, we talked about what are our goals for these companies this year, and we landed in the same ballpark, but it's, okay, what's the long-term goal? Because what if we hit that by September, and then we've got three bonus months, like what's the next stage? So I don't know. I don't know if I've given it enough thought to really like have an answer for that for Castaway yet, but it's probably something we should cover on a future episode. Let's do it. Yeah, tell us what's going on at Castaway, man. What what are the updates from the last couple of weeks? Cool. Uh, let's see. So last time we talked, I think I said I was going to put up uh, some job postings. I know you and I have swapped a couple of text messages about what those roles should be exactly. Uh, we talked about an EA. And and so right now, it took a little longer than expected. That whole nights and weekends uh, thing really ate away at it. But that's probably just an excuse. And I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I did get them up. They're up now. And so I'm just waiting for those candidates. Those candidates are starting to come in. I got to review the applications and the work product and everything. But I think right now we'll have an executive uh, assistant or like I'm calling it like a it's like a light operations role. It's not a full project manager, but it's more let's just make sure things are flowing through the funnel. Client communications are happening in a timely manner. If anything gets stuck and you need me to interject, let me teach you the first time and then you can handle it the next time. That kind of stuff. I think that's an ops support role. And then the other one would be a video editor to do some video clips. So those are out there. Hopefully those will come back. Uh, the question I have for you is you do this too. And so I have this habit of like, Certain times of certain types of work feel really valuable to me. And so I want to make them as good as they can possibly be, like a job description. Like I'm literally hiring somebody, I'm going to be their livelihood, whatever. I want that to be buttoned up so that uh, I get the right person for the job and I don't have to hire again in 30 days to try to replace somebody who wasn't a great fit. And it was my fault because I didn't put enough effort in on the front end. So I put them off because I'm like, oh, I just want to have a couple of really good dedicated hours to write the best job description I can and get it up on the marketplace. But then I never find those two hours, those two uninterrupted hours, right? It's always like little pockets of time. And so I'll put it off. But really, the value in this is almost not getting it out as quickly as you can, but it's better to have a B minus solution out there in the public and getting activity than waiting for the perfect moment and having it be delayed like a week and a half. Like this is, that's what happened with me here is like, I wanted to write the perfect job description and couldn't find the time to do it right. So it just slipped in like, your entire vacation, I didn't make any progress on that. And I just kind of got it posted before, like earlier this week so that I could say I did it today. This was the accountability measures. I want to be able to say it's out there, it's published, and they're starting to come in. So I, I don't know if that's just like a quirk that I have or if that's a common trait, but like over-engineering some of this stuff instead of getting it out early and letting the, the work happen or, or come back in is, is just a bad habit I need to kick. My take is that it's common. I do it too on certain things. Like I'll put off, like with writing, for example, that we were just talking about, I often wait until the inspiration strikes or I'll do it like late at night when I'm like, my brain is clear from the day and something has come up during the day and I just, and I write, but I, I try to, and I can rock out a good blog post pretty quick because what I do, but I do put off things like this is basically what I'm getting at. But what I found that helps, and I've, I've talked about this with some of my like coaches and, and mentors is I basically, I, I have at least like with job descriptions, I have a uh, process that I follow or I have a, a format that I follow. And so it's like, all right, who's the company? What is this role? What's the title? 
what is it, what are they going to be doing? So I read out the specific things. What are the qualifications that I would like them to have? How do they apply? And then I also believe with the time thing, I believe we create time. We don't find time because if we're trying to find time, time is always going to get away from us. But if we create it and we say like, all right, I'm working for an hour. It's on my calendar. I am working for an hour on this thing today. I'm going to do an hour today. I'm going to do an hour tomorrow. And then I'm going to publish it. That, that just keeps me, that keeps me accountable. But then also having accountability like this. I'm in some mastermind groups too, where people are like, oh yeah, I did this thing. Actually, I shipped that new messaging the other day and there was videos yesterday so I could talk about it on this podcast recording today. So I think also having someone you're accountable to is, is pretty big, especially when you're working for yourself and working by yourself, you are your only accountability unless you built in these processes. But I think it's common, man. But also you're aware of it. So now you can solve it. It could have been even worse, right? It could have slipped another week. Right, exactly. And it didn't. So that's a win (laughs) if you look at it that way. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Like my, I have this problem in my personal life too, where like we have a big yard. I'm the kind of person who I want to get the whole thing done in one day. I'd rather take a day off of work, finish it from start to finish, than break it up into little chunks. But my wife's really good about, I'm just going to lay mulch on this side of the house today for an hour. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this side of the house tomorrow and this side of the house. She's really good at that. To me, like the mental baggage of carrying that unfinished project around just drives me insane. But it's a personality quirk that I definitely have to deal with. I'm well aware of it. And it's one of those things, I know what the right answer is, but I'm not always good about like practicing what I what I preach, right? So anyways, the, so the ops update is the hiring. And then also more of an ops kind of thing, I guess, is like, I have clients who have opinions about the editorial process. So in my context, that might be like, from this episode, here are the four clips that we think are interesting. Like they have strong opinions about what those clips are, which I'm, I'm okay with, but because I want them to be happy with the end product. But also it becomes a problem when it's, I'm fine with your team even picking the clips and we'll just produce the assets from the clips that you put, choose. But if they miss that deadline, then that reflects poorly on me because that delays all of the other subsequent steps that come behind that. So one of those things where I don't expect us to have an answer here, and and maybe I know the answer, which is you just got to hold your ground, or maybe the policy is we pick the clips and you give them the thumbs up or the thumbs down. But that is something I'm running into a little bit more frequently, which is like strong opinions about which portions get uh, turned into promotional assets, but then not always super available to turn that around in 24 hours so we can stay on the timeline for the rest of the project, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, I'm curious to see how you solve that one because it's tough and it's going to vary by client. But I think there is something to the like sticking to it and telling them like what the expectations are for this to be delivered on Tuesday for your, for promotion on starting on Thursday, we need this. And this is how our like timeline looks. And if you miss this, then it's going to push to the next day or something like that. Right. So you're also giving them work to do. I do like the idea of which four clips you want us to pull. Right. And they get like one, one take on that. Like you, and, and maybe even man offering them the, Hey, you tell us which topics you want us to cover and we'll pull those. If you don't, we're going to pull the best four yeah, according to our discretion. Right. And so, and then they're not allowed to complain. <laughs> and if they do, right. well, well I, I get it. Thank you for that feedback. Next time, tell us which ones you'd like us to pull. Right. Yeah. I think where we might land as a compromise, at least in the short term is here are four clips we've selected. You have 24 hours to approve them or choose alternatives. If we don't hear back from you in 24 hours, we're just going to proceed with creating the assets and next episode, we'll get it right and we'll do this again or whatever. And then that goes in the contract or the terms of service or whatever you want to put together. But as we nail that down, that becomes part of the agreement when they sign on. 
I think that's where we're land. Because the last thing I want to do is, is create an agency. I don't want to be an agency. I don't want to be a bespoke like podcast production agency. I don't want to do custom consulting. I don't have the time for that with this being a nights and weekends kind of side pursuit. So um, I've got to systematize it in some way, but I also want the client to feel involved. So I think that's the best way to get both worlds, I guess. I think it's a great way to do it. Yeah, we'll run them by you. Tell us within 24 hours if you want something different. If we don't hear from you, we're going to produce these. And then, yeah, I, I think that's a great way to do it, man. Give that a shot. Cool. Report back. Cool. All right. So the sales and marketing update, March was another good month. It was flat in terms of growth. But I mean, that's a good thing because I don't have a whole lot of subscriptions right now. So most of my stuff is bundled sales for one-off bundles, do these eight conversations uh, at one time. So it could be worse. If I didn't sell any of those bundles or those one-off sales, then it would have been a down month, which is not what you want to see. But in general, I feel pretty good about where we're at. And our profit margin did go uh, from about 20 to 25% last in February up to 30 in March. So we became more profitable as we didn't have to do some of that initial foundational work of building the website and other things like that that cost money. So, so that was good. And I'm hoping that over the next week or so, we'll staff up with that op support and video editor, and that takes even more off my plate. And then I just uh, start to hammer the sales and marketing stuff, which is my wheelhouse. So I think that goes back to our conversation we had before you left, which was, do you, do you scale up the team first? Or do you scale up revenue first and hope you can find the team to support it? I think I'm putting my bet at least this time around on team and having the delivery assets and then trusting in myself to go out and, and find that work. Or we talked about this idea of if somebody isn't at 100% capacity for client work alone, then just having them do not free work, but like just get a popular show, produce a bunch of clips and send it to that team and, and hope that drives leads or referrals or conversations as a marketing effort. So yeah, that's the, the update there. And then the only thing I had down for challenges, and I guess a part of this is to be transparent, is like just seeing the progress that you've made and everything. It's got this time and effort. And it's like, oh, this is nights and weekends. And I'm still working a nine to five and accountable to that team and really enjoying that. But sometimes I'm like, man, do I just want to have a shitty six months and go really hard on this and stay up until one or two in the morning doing castaway stuff and making a lot of progress so that on the back half of that or coming out of that, I can only work 10 hours a week and, and have a bigger business? Or do I want to commit to this like slow and steady approach that I have and this sustainable approach? And I don't know, I just, I don't, again, I don't expect to have an answer for this one, but it's just, I'm sure I'm not alone in this where you see other people doing well and you're just like, ah, I got to keep up, I got to keep up, right? But the original philosophy was like, this is something that we're just going to pursue over the long term. And if we have 6% growth every month for the next year, that's okay. So there's, I don't know, there's just, there's always that pull of should you be doing more, but then I don't want to be a bad father. I don't want to be a bad husband. I don't want to be miserable all day because I'm staying up till two in the morning every night, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a, which way are you leaning right now? Are you leaning a certain way? I don't know. It's hard because I do feel like if I would just put in a bunch of late nights. And I don't even know if it would be six months, but I do feel like if I just spent a quarter and had a few late nights every week and um, really just focused on like process documentation, getting these folks hired and then sales outreach and just really, because I haven't touched that at all yet. And I just feel like every time I've had a direct sales conversation, it's been pretty effortless. Like the, people just get it. They're like content repurposing is the hot thing right now. Podcast makes sense. We're already producing this. I don't necessarily know how to do this and I don't know how long it'll take my team to figure out how to do it. So if you know how to do it, it makes sense to hire you and you're more affordable than bringing on a full-time like podcast promoter, right? Or something like that. So it's felt very intuitive. And my only hesitation about doing that now is I can't deliver all that myself. And so I think you almost have to have the hiring support. 
And the other piece of that is I can't be super responsive to client needs. And I set that expectation on the front. I'm like, hey, right now, this is nights and weekends for me. And so uh, I check email, you know, once or twice a day, but it might be in the evenings. And so if you don't hear from me for a few hours, like I'm not ignoring you, that's just where this business is at right now. Most people are cool with that. Uh, but I would like to have this if this ops support role comes in, I would like to be a little bit more responsive and, and get back to folks more and just give them a better client experience. So I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth. But I think if I was like, if it was like a 50-50 split, I'm probably actually 60% in favor of going a little bit harder in the short term, and maybe even putting like a finish line on that effort, and just seeing where we're at after that. Like just, hey, for the month of April, just go hard on this. And just know that like, you're probably not going to feel great about it physically, right? Or you might be a little drained. But let's see where we're at the end of April and see what kind of progress we've made. And then maybe we dial it back or maybe we keep it going, whatever. But it does feel like I'm spinning my wheels a little bit and not really getting anywhere. And that doesn't feel great either. Because then it's like, what are you doing all this for if you're not making money from it? And you know what I mean? It's just I could just spend my evenings reading or uh, doing whatever else I want to do kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I think there, there's a couple things here. Number one, there's something to just making a decision and saying, I'm going to do this for the month of April. Hey, family, for just through the end of April, right? I mean, talk about with your wife and such and then tell your kids like, hey, I'm going to be putting more time into my business in the evenings and I'm going to do it for the month of April and then reevaluate then. So I just want you to know that this is what I'm doing. So like their expectations are set and then they'll rally around you and be like, oh, I can't like, I can't disturb dad. Like that dad's working right now, right? So I think there is something to that and just like making the decision. I also think we built, I published something on Instagram about this yesterday that we built our capacity for handling hard things. So right now it might feel hard just doing like nights and weekends. And it's almost be like a psychological hack. It might feel hard doing like nights and weekends, like making the time. But if you said, hey, I'm going to do four hours every evening for this month. So you do that. And then at the end of the month, you pull back to an hour or two. That's going to feel easy. <laughs> You're going to be like, wow, I have so much time. So you could almost hack your own psychology around that by pushing harder for a little while. The other thing I'll say is with don't get discouraged just because Edder Ninja is growing faster right now. There will be times where it is not for sure. And also this is my second two-sided productized service. Like I've built this business. So like. I'm doing it again, but doing it better and doing it faster because I made all the mistakes starting off six years ago. So there's the idea of don't don't compare your what what is it your first inning to someone else's tenth or something like that ninth I guess <laughs> baseball. But yeah. uh, I did play baseball growing up. But don't compare like it's like your first chapter to someone else's. I think it's how the saying goes, something like that. You know, someone else has been doing it. So you're building your business to achieve your goals in the way that you want to do it. So don't lose, don't lose perspective on, on that. Seems to me like you're working on a bunch of good things and now it's a matter of, yeah, let's, let me commit to this. Let me try this thing. See how that feels, right? See how that works and don't worry too much about, but if I do that, then like this other thing might be required. You'll deal with that when you get there and don't let it hold you back from doing what you want to do now. Yeah. Is my I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I did. And I didn't mean to put editor ninja on the pedestal there for it's not the only one, right? Like the economy strong, a lot of businesses are doing well. And a lot of folks online are talking oh, yeah. about wins. And I think the phrase that I've heard that you brought up, I, I've heard don't compare your raw footage to somebody else's highlight reel, because you never know what yeah. they left on the cutting room floor. You can't right. see behind the scenes, right. they only share the wins. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's interesting to me, because it's one of those things that like, people talk about this in, in the sense of weightlifting or whatever, they're like, you're gonna hit a plateau at some point Experienced weightlifters are like, I know I'm gonna hit a progress plateau. And some people get frustrated by that. But the really good ones, the really experienced ones go, hey, old friend, 
I knew you were coming around sometime or another, and it's good to have you here because they know eventually if they just keep sticking to things, they're going to break through that plateau at some point. So I think this is the same way where I know what the comparison trap is. I know what self-sabotage is. I know what imposter syndrome is. I know what uh, fear of success is. Like I've learned about all these things and lived some of that's coming, but that doesn't make it any any easier necessarily when it gets here where it's, I don't know, like I know I got to run my own race. We talked about how, why racehorses wearing blinders and part of that's like, don't pay attention to competitors, but part of that's just, like focus on your process. So yeah, there's some of that too. Maybe I'll have some closure to that, but I know I'm not alone. So I think that's the point of talking about it here is if you're feeling that too, we hear you thing. Yeah. And I like that. Hey, old friend thing where it's like, I know yeah. you, I've seen you before. Yeah. Like when I get stressed out, I'm like, Hey, stress. Good to see you. I know how to yeah. deal with you. I was wondering when you'd come. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering like, yeah, good to see you. You were about due for a visit. Good to see you. Let's talk. You don't have that power over me anymore. That kind of thing. This is also why I respect people like Brett or Brent from Design Joy that like single, single founder, single person hasn't delegated doing what million and a half a year, some 1.2, 1.4 a year, something like that. But homeboy's working 16 hours a day every day and he hates his life. He said this on a podcast. So now he's, I think he, he raised, he like doubled his prices and a bunch of his customers left and a bunch of others like stayed on and he's doing the same amount of work for like more money. So now he's working less. Maybe he's working like 10 hours a day, but making even more money. That's awesome. But he was also upfront about like, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. So Credo had three years of flat revenue. I've had some crazy like mental health stuff going on in the past. I don't really talk about publicly too much, but like it's been there. And I just say that to say that you never know what's going on in the background and someone may have a bigger business, but they're like their home life is falling apart or their health is failing or something like that because they're neglecting it and doing this other thing that isn't even making them happy. So end of the day, we run our own race and keep this all in perspective. Yeah. Totally get it. Well, hey, maybe this is a good way to wrap it up. If you're struggling with any of this stuff, we actually just launched a small community for listeners of the show, and that's up on our website. So it's a Slack community. No real purpose behind it yet. I mean, we just want a place for folks who like the show and who are doing some of the same things to hang out. So workingsessions.fm slash community, you can join there. And uh, John and I will be hanging out in there. And we'd love to see you over there. And then we also launched an ask a question or share some feedback feature. And that's at workingsessions.fm. If you look in the primary navigation, you'll see a link for ask a question. And it's a tool uh, called zip message. It's uh, made by Brian Castle, shout out to Brian. And you can submit audio, video, text or screen share. So if you want to share something there, ask a question, leave us some feedback, we might include it in a future episode, or we'll just take it to heart and uh, helps us make the show better. So yeah, I don't know, maybe that's a good way to, to bring it in for our landing. John, anything else to say as parting words for the listeners? No, we would love feedback, love any questions. Anything here is resonating. I would love to would love to hear what you'd like more of as well. Anyone out there listening, also don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And uh, thank you for being along on the journey. James, good to see you as always, man. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, same to you. We'll, we'll catch up soon. Can't wait to hear the next update, man. All right, see ya.